All right, welcome everybody. So glad you've joined us here today. Welcome everybody on social media. Hey, last week uh, uh, the Lord directed me to teach a, a series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. So let's continue with that today. Of course, last week I talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, there's an experience subsequent to salvation whereby you can be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now, when you repent of your sins and you receive Jesus as Savior, that's when you get born again and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. But there is an experience subsequent to that whereby you can be what the Bible calls baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we, we talked about that in depth last week. So I'll not go over that again. But let's continue today with some new material here on the Holy Spirit. And, and these first scriptures here, actually I'm going to use the King James Version on, on these. and uh, But that's okay. Uh, thank God for the King James, you know. And uh, uh, But let's go to uh, Genesis, the first chapter, and let's observe the Holy Spirit in the beginning um, and, and say some things here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, we could teach for hours and hours and hours on these two verses. But uh, the, the thing that I wanted to point out to you, first of all, is that you see the Holy Spirit. He's active in creation, isn't he? He's active in creation. And actually, the word God there in verse 1 and in, and in verse 2 is the Hebrew word Elohim. Elohim. And, and actually, it's an interesting word. It's a masculine plural noun. Now, think about that. A masculine plural noun. Now, you, you know as well as I do that God is, is masculine. You understand that. And, uh, 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 but a plural noun. So what you see in here when you study into this word, this, this Hebrew word, you see one and you see plural. You see one and you see plural. And this word Elohim, it, it's a masculine plural noun that designates the one true God. And, uh, and, and, and what actually what, what you see here is you see one God. How many of you know there's one God? There's one God. But he manifests himself in three distinct persons, three distinct persons. And that's actually what we know as the Trinity, the Trinity, tri-unity, tri-unity, three in one, three in one. The Bible also uh, refers to the Trinity as the Godhead, and uh, that's making reference to the Father, to the Son, who is Jesus Christ, we understand that, and the Holy Spirit. So you see the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. And actually this word Elohim, it indicates a, a plurality of persons operating in complete unity. Do you know that the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit always operate in complete unity, absolute complete unity. Now, if somebody were to ask me how many gods are there, what's the answer to that? One. There's one God. Now, there's not three gods. There's one God. But he manifests himself in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there are three, but yet how many gods are there? One. one. Now, somebody says, well, explain that further, Pastor Terry. Well, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Uh, and I don't think anyone really can, because to explain that, you'd, you'd be explaining God and nobody can do that. You understand that? God, there is God is one absolute one God, but he manifests himself in three. Now, I didn't say three distinct personalities, three distinct persons, the father, God, the father. He, he is distinct from God the Son, who is Jesus, and, and distinct from God the Holy Spirit. You understand that? So there's, there's, there's three, yet one, one, yet three. And that's the Trinity, the, the Godhead. You all okay with that? One God 
yet three distinct persons. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so I can't explain it any further than that, okay? But uh, 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 now, now somebody once said that God sometimes manifests himself as the Father, sometimes he manifests himself as the Son, and sometimes he manifests himself as the Holy Spirit. Now, now, I don't go along with that. I don't go along with that. God is God, and he's always manifested as the Father. He's always manifested as the Son. He's always manifested as the Holy Spirit. There's always three, but how many gods are there? One, okay? Now, now, are you okay with that? Okay. And, and we know that, is the, know that, you know, we think of the Trinity, you see. And, and, and you need to realize that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all co-equal. There's not one that outranks the other. But it is interesting, as you study into it, the Holy Spirit always gives deference to Jesus. You know what I mean by that? And, and Jesus always gives deference to the Father. But when you say God, you know, you could be talking about the Father. You could be talking about the Son. You could be talking about the Holy Spirit. You need to realize that, that the Son, Jesus, is just as much God as the Father. And the Holy Spirit, who we're centering in on here, is just as much God as Jesus and, and the Father, you see. You okay? And... and uh, it's interesting when uh, uh, you look into the book of Isaiah and the book of Revelation, uh, Isaiah and, and John in, in the book of Revelation, they, they both saw the throne of God and they saw the seraphim, you know, those angelic uh, beings or, 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 or beasts or beings, whatever, you know, and, uh, and, and they're above the throne of God and they continually worship God saying, holy, holy Holy, and it's interesting, there's three, holy, 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 three of them. And I believe there's one holy for the Father, one holy for the Son, and one holy for the Holy Ghost. What do you say? Amen. Now you realize right now that, that God, the Father, He's in heaven, isn't He? Seated on the throne, right? Right? And, and, and Jesus... Uh, now, somebody said, does he ever get up off that throne? Well, well, I don't know. Do you? I don't know. I mean, we see uh, we see the throne. Of, did you know the throne of God? Ezekiel saw the throne of God here, here on the earth. Remember that? So, I mean, God's got a cool throne. I mean, that thing's got wheels on it. It's apparently it's movable. I mean, it's it can fly. I mean, as far as my study of it, that's just a cool throne. I'll tell you what. And above that throne, there's those four those four seraphim, you know. And, uh, uh, and they say, holy, 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 but, but God's in heaven right now, the Father, seated on his throne, right? And, you know, there's a pretty rainbow above that throne. I can't wait to get my eyes on that, that, you know. And, and speaking of those seraphim, those are pretty bizarre to look at too, those eyes. They got eyes all the way around. I mean, bizarre looking. Anyway, but, uh, uh, fast, you know, heaven's gonna be a fascinating place. But God seated on the throne, the Father seated on the throne, right? In heaven, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about, up in heaven. And, and who's on his right hand? Jesus. Jesus is seated on his right hand. But where's the Holy Spirit right now? He is, he is where? He is here in the earth, right? He's here in the earth, right? On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, remember? He, he came into the earth. Is that right? So he's here in the earth. Okay. But, but having said that, you need to realize this about God. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. Is that right? Yes. So certainly, you know, you could make argument from that. The Holy Spirit is in heaven. But his ministry here is now where? On the, on the earth. So God the Father, he's in heaven on the throne. The, the Son, Jesus, is at his right hand, you know. And the Holy Spirit's here in the earth. Now, notice here. So how many gods are there? One. One manifested in how many persons? Three. All right. Notice here in Genesis three twenty two. It's interesting. This will help you from what I just said. This will help you understand this better. What we're going to read now after the fall of man, after the fall of man. This is Genesis three twenty two. And the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us. Remember, after Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they they obtained that knowledge. And now because they had that knowledge of good and evil, they became uh, mankind became as one of us. Now that's God talking. 
one of us, one of us, well, that indicates a plurality, doesn't it? But yet there's one God. But now that you understand some things about the Trinity, that should make more sense to you, right? Did you know the Father will talk to the Son and the Son will talk to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will talk to the Father? They talk amongst themselves. Did you know that? Did you know they're always in complete unity? Absolutely. Trinity, tri-unity. There's, there's one God manifest in three persons in complete and total unity. Absolute, complete and total unity. They've never contradicted one another, not one time, not one time, not one time. And, uh, uh, but uh, man's become as one of us. You can understand that better now. One of us. See, there's a plurality, but yet one. Now, notice here in Isaiah 6, verse 8, Isaiah, he uh, makes this statement. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? See, that's the Trinity having a discussion. And of course, Isaiah said, you know, here, Lord, here I am, send me. But, but you see, now that you understand some things about the Trinity, those statements should make more sense to you. Uh, actually, in Matthew, the third chapter in the 16th verse, Matthew, the third chapter in the 16th verse, let's look at the baptism of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and you understand, uh, before Jesus was born uh, of the virgin, you know, how many of you know he's always existed? Jesus, Right. Is that right? He hasn't always existed in human form, but he's always existed. He's, he's eternal. Is that right? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. And, and he is known as, as, as the Word. And the Bible says in John, the first chapter, the Word was what made flesh. And so there was a time when the second member of the Trinity took on human form and, and, and became Jesus and was born of the Virgin. You understand that, but he never ceased being God. You, 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 re, you realize that. But, but we're talking about the Holy Ghost here. But notice here in Matthew 3, verse 16, in Jesus, when he was baptized, remember when John baptized him in the Jordan, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. You need to realize that. He descended like a dove. Now, he's not a dove. Now, he's gentle like a dove. You understand that. Uh, but but uh, he descended like a dove and, and lighting upon on Jesus and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, I read this, these two verses to show you a picture of the Trinity, a picture of the Trinity. Here you have the Lord Jesus, the second member of the Trinity. Now, he's being water baptized. You see the Holy Spirit. He's descending, Right. Is that right? And then you have a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. So you have the father speaking. Do you see a picture of the Trinity right here? The father, the son and the Holy Spirit. The son's being water baptized. And then the Holy Spirit's descending and, and lighting upon him. You know, this is when Jesus was actually not only water baptized, but this is when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember that? And... Um, and then you see the Father uh, uh, speaking from heaven. And so uh, you have a, a perfect picture of the Trinity. Now, here's something else that people have asked me over the years. We're talking about the Holy Ghost here. They're centering in on the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Is he God? Absolutely, absolutely. Just as much as the Father and the Son, we've already said that. But here's something that some people have asked me over the years. Should we say Holy Spirit or should we say Holy Ghost? Should we say Holy Spirit or should we say Holy Ghost? Has anybody ever thought about that besides me? And some people have asked me that over the years. Actually, the Greek word is pneuma, 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 P-N-E-U-M-A, P-N-E-U-M-A. Uh, where we get, we, it actually means this. It means breath. It means breathe or wind. Talking about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Should we say Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? Well, the Greek, the Greek word is pneuma. The Greek word is pneuma from which we obtain spirit or ghost. Spirit or ghost. It's the Greek word pneuma. Now, should we say Holy Spirit or should we say Holy Ghost? Well, it's the Greek word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, and it, it means breath, it means breathe or wind. 
And of course, remember we covered this last week on the day of Pentecost. Remember that? When the day of Pentecost had, had fully come, you know, those 120 believers, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a what? A rushing, mighty wind. Remember that? So the Holy Spirit, our Holy Ghost, which should we say? Well, the word is pneuma, breath, breathe, wind. And when he showed up on the day of Pentecost, you certainly had wind, didn't you? He also had fire. He had those cloven tongues as a fire. Anyway, but, but, but the word actually means breath, breathe, or wind. And, and, and so here's what you need to know. The, the Old English, the King James Version, uses the term for pneuma. They translated it ghost. They translated it ghost. But the Latin, when you look at it in the Latin, it's spiritus. Spiritus. And that from from that we get spirit. So so the old English would 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 call the third member of the Trinity the Holy Ghost. The Latins they would call him the Holy Spirit. So which one should we use? Well, let me say this: both usages are totally fine. And sometimes I'll say Holy Spirit, sometimes I'll say Holy Ghost. Both usages are totally fine. However, in our culture, in our culture. The Holy, saying the Holy Spirit would probably be the best. It would probably be the best because the word ghost could make someone think of something spooky or scary, you know? And, 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 and the Holy Spirit is not spooky or scary. Can you say amen to that? So this is just, you know, uh, it's okay to say Holy Ghost. It's okay to say Holy Spirit, either one. But probably in our culture, Holy Spirit would be a better way to go. Uh, simply because you wouldn't want anybody to think the Holy, when you say Holy Ghost, you know, somebody start thinking of a ghost, you know, and start, start thinking of something spooky or scary. So just, just kind of a technicality. I thought I'd throw that in. Probably be best to say Holy Spirit, you know. And here's something else. That you need to know the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. Now, you need to realize that he's the third person of the Trinity. If you look at Romans 8.16, if you look at Romans 8.16 in the King James Version, it says this, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Uh, the New King James and other more modern uh, translations say the Spirit himself. Now, I like himself better than itself. And so be, you, need to, you need to realize the Holy, the Holy Spirit is, is a person, not an it. So, so, so don't refer to him as, a, as an it. He's, he's a person. Would, would, it, would it offend you if I referred to you as an it? You know? I mean, I, I think the only person, well, I said person, but the only one we ought to refer to as it is cousin it on the Adams family, you know? Remember cousin it? <laughs> <laughs> now, when you come to Summit Church, you know, never know where we're going to end up. We went Adams Family, Gilligan's Island. We could end up. You didn't see that one coming, did you? You know, Cousin It, Green Acres. We've been everywhere, haven't we? Absolutely. Uh, uh, cousin It. And then what was it? I like Lurch. I, how many like Lurch? You like Lurch? Yeah, whenever they pull that string, you know, for that bell, he'd always be right there. You rang. Remember that? Remember that? And then there was Thing. How many remember Thing that hand had come up, you know? So the only one we really ought to call it is Cousin It. Don't call the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't, don't call him it. He's a him, right? Himself. Are you okay? And so anyway, uh, uh, and actually he, he, he's a person. And did you know, we'll talk about this in a few, in a future session, but, uh, you know, he can be grieved. Did you, know, did you know that he can be insulted? Did you know that? Yeah. You don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. You don't want to insult the Holy Ghost. We'll talk about this in a future session. I think it'll be very fascinating to you, but the Holy person, the Holy person, the Holy Spirit is a person, right? He's a holy person, all right. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Did you know he has many names? Did you know he has many names? He does. Like Jesus. You know, Jesus has, has many names. Have you ever been here when I, when I preach that message, who is this Jesus? And I give you those like five pages of names of all Jesus is and I put them in alphabetical order. Power of God always comes when I, when I do that. But, uh, uh, but the Holy Spirit, he's a person. He has many names, just like Jesus has many names. Uh, let me just give some of them to you here. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ, 
the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of life, the spirit of faith. Well, that's a whole bunch of them. And I'm not done yet. There's a few more of the spirit of adoption. Did you know that when we repent of our sins and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit goes in into operation and he's the one actually that trans, translates us from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear son. He's the, he's the great agent of salvation. He's the one that I believe washes us in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that translates us from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear son. He's the one that, that causes what we'll see here. If I get to it today, we'll see that he's a great lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's an advocate. He's a lawyer. He's, he's the one that does the legal work, you know, and, and, and he's known as a spirit of adoption whereby, uh, we cry, Abba, Father. He, he, he causes us when we receive Jesus, uh, uh, through what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection, when we receive Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the great advocate, the great attorney goes into operation and he causes us, he does the paperwork on it, the heavenly paperwork on it, I suppose, and he causes us to be adopted into the body of Christ. Can you say amen? That's exciting. Glory to God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. He's also known not only as a spirit of adoption, but the spirit of promise. Look at Ephesians 1.13. Look at Ephesians 1.13. In whom ye also trusted. How many of you have trusted in Jesus? I have. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom after that ye believed, believed on Jesus. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't it good to know that, that we as Christians were sealed into the body of Christ? Well, who sealed us in there? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of promise, glory to God. And he's the one that keeps us sealed in there too. Glory to God. That's exciting, isn't it? And then also he's known as the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy. And we understand the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Do you know that when the, the Holy Ghost, he'll always draw attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. He really will. He really will. He's the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus, you know. That's the Holy Ghost, you see. And uh, uh, the, we read last week, no man speaking by the Holy Spirit can call Jesus accursed. Is that right? Absolutely cannot do it. Well, if you're speaking by the Holy Spirit, you'll always be uh, magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the spirit of prophecy. Actually, the Holy Spirit is the one who brought our Bible about. Did you know that? Now, now he used men to write it, but he's the, the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a scripture for that. 2 Peter 1.21, 2 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke, watch this, as they were what? Moved by the Holy Ghost. Or we could say Holy Spirit. The King James uses Holy Ghost, you see. So, see, that's how we got our Bible. God used men, all right, to write it. You understand that? But, but, it, but, but, but it was authored by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would move on those Old Testament prophets and those, those New Testament apostles. And he'd move on them and they'd speak or write under his, under his uh, 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 unction and direction, you see. And that's how we got our Bible. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. And you'll not find one contradiction in here from Genesis to Revelation. Because the Holy Spirit is the author. If anybody ever asks you who wrote the Bible, I'll give you the answer. It was the Holy Spirit. I, 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 let's say it another way. He authored it, but he used men to write it. Is that a better way to say it? He authored it, but he used men. And a lot of different men over a lot of different periods of time to write it, you'll not find one valid contradiction in the Bible. Now, there's some uh, uh, people will read the Bible and say, oh, there's a contradiction here, a contradiction there. Well, that's because they haven't really dug in and done their studying. You go in and now you can just light, just do a light skim over the Bible and you can find some uh, what would uh, seem to be apparent contradictions. But but you get in and you study and really find out what the Bible saying. You won't find one contradiction in that Bible. Not one, not one, not one. Can you say amen? Not one. Because the Holy Spirit authored it and he doesn't contradict himself. He used men to write it. Now. Uh, actually, the Holy Spirit, uh, he's observed throughout the Old Testament. Uh, you know, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Uh, he's referred to as the hand of the Lord. 
as the hand of the Lord. I, I, I tell you what, I want the hand of the Lord on me. How about you? Uh, uh, the hand of the Lord. He's referred to as the hand of the Lord. If you look at 1 Kings 18.46, 1 Kings 18.46 uh, uh, the Bible says the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. You know, he was an Old Testament prophet. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The hand of the Lord, the Holy Spirit came upon uh, Elijah. And, and, and I tell you what, he ran faster than the six million dollar man. I tell you what, you all know who the six million dollar man is? You know, Ahab's chariots, he had the best chariots. He, those babies went fast. I tell you what, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, however you want to say that, uh, came on Elijah and the hand of God came on him. The power of God came on him and he outran the king's chariots. See, there we're in the six million dollar man. See, we went from, we went from, uh, uh, Adam's family. How many remembers the six million dollar man? Steve Austin, we can make him better than he was before, better, faster, stronger. I tell you what. Uh, uh, but but Elijah ran, you see, he ran and outran the king's chariot because the hand of the Lord came on him, you see. Glory to God. And then here's another one uh, uh, where it talks about the hand of the Lord. Second Kings 3.15. Elisha, now this was Elijah's uh, servant. And notice here in Second Kings 3.15, but now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came on him. And he said, thus saith the Lord. It's interesting um, that uh, Elisha called for a musician, a minstrel or a musician. And when that musician began to play the hand of the Lord. Now, who is the hand of the Lord? That's the Holy Spirit. He went into operation and, uh, and, and, and Elisha began to prophesy. I tell you what, I've noticed this over the many years. Uh, there's something about music uh, uh, that, 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 that causes the Holy Spirit to go into operation. I remember years ago as a young boy, uh, I put on those Hosanna, those Hosanna music uh, tapes. Remember those from back in, I guess, the uh, uh, 80s, I guess it was. And I tell you what, I didn't know what it was, but something would just just come upon me. And I just want to begin to, 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 I didn't even know what it was. I just wanted, there was like a bubbling that wanted to come out of my mouth. Well, you know what that was? That was the hand of the Lord. And, and the hand of the Lord is, 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 I don't know how to say it, but, but when there's, when, when, when there's good anointed music that goes into, that, that's playing, the Holy Spirit begins to move a lot of times, you see. Glory to God. And that's what this uh, prophet knew. He realized that, boy, I tell you, if I can get some music going here, the Holy Spirit, the hand of the Lord will start moving. And, and sure enough, that's what happened. And, uh, and and he began to prophesy and said, thus saith the Lord. And I've, I've watched that over the many, 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 many different years. Uh, uh, actually, the first time I really noticed this, I was a young boy in vacation Bible school at Vandover Baptist Church right over here. And I was sitting there and uh, the, the pastor's wife was playing the, the uh, piano. And I tell you, something was coming out of that piano. I, I'm telling you, something was coming out of that piano. Now, now, I didn't know what it was at the time. All the other kids, they were there, you know, they were ready to go on to, go on for recess or whatever. But I tell you what, there was something coming out of that piano and I started weeping and crying. And, uh, you know what? It was the, it was, it was the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, he'll ride on music. Did you know that? He really will. He'll ride on music, anointed music. And I tell you what, I, even then I just, I felt like I needed to open my mouth and say something, but I didn't, I was, I was just a young boy. But then I noticed it over the years and I've noticed Notice it even in the present hour, even into the present hour and over the many years, you know, good anointed music and, 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 and it causes the hand of the Lord, the Holy Spirit to begin to move and he'll move on, on men and women of God. And if they'll yield to him, you know, you have to yield to the Holy Ghost and, 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 and you yield to him and you say, thus saith the Lord and begin to prophesy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, let me just, I, I don't have this in my notes, but this is going to bear itself out as we go. Here's the main Here's a main word that you need to really understand when you're dealing with the Holy Spirit is the word yield. Y-I-E-L-D. Yield. I tell you what, if you're going to have any success walking with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to yield to Him. You need to realize He's not going to make you do anything. Absolutely not going to make you do anything. You've got to learn how to yield yourself to Him. That's one of the greatest words I could ever tell you or advice I could ever give you. 
one of great one of the greatest pieces of advice I could ever give you as it pertains to walking with the Holy Spirit is you need to be yielded. He is a perfect gentleman. He will not make you do anything. So we need to be yielded to him. That's an important word, an important word. How many of you know he's smarter than you and me? Is that right? So we need to stay yielded to him and open to him and follow him. Because he'll guide and lead. Now, he's, he won't drive you. He'll, he'll guide you and lead you, you see. You understand that? You, you realize that. But nonetheless, we see the hand of the Lord. And then also in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming on Samson. How, do you remember Samson? And look at Judges 13, 24. It says, a woman bare a son and called his name Samson. Judges 13, 24. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. That word move means stir. I tell you what, let me, let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. If you'll be yielded to him and you'll be sensitive to him, there's times he'll come on you. He'll begin to stir. He'll begin to stir. I, 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 I've sensed that so many times over the years when the Holy Spirit, now He's always with us. He's always with us. He never leaves us, leaves us nor forsakes us, but He's, He does, He's not always in manifestation. You need to realize that. He's always there, but He's not always in manifestation. You need to realize that about the Holy Ghost, you see. He's always there. He's always there. You see, but he's not always in manifestation. But there's times he will begin to stir. He'll stir. And I, I, I've had him stir on, on me many times over the years. I tell you what, sometimes I'll be right in the middle of my message, just preaching right along. And the Holy Ghost, just for no apparent reason, he'll just begin to stir. And, and, and over the many years, and just right in the middle of my message, he'll have me and I'll give a prophecy out, you see. Or I'll just start crying. I, have you ever been in here when I, I mean right in the middle of just right mid-sentence, the Spirit of God, he'll just, he'll just begin to stir and I'll just start weeping. My, my, weep for many minutes, you know. And, and a lot of times people think there's something wrong with me, but there isn't. It's just the Spirit of God manifested, stirring, you see. Thank God. And then when he's done stirring, he, he's done stirring, you know. And, uh, uh, but thank God for the stirring of the Holy Spirit. And he did it at times, you see. He stirred Samson at times. And then if you look at Judges 14, verse 5, there's other times when the Spirit of God had come on him. Notice here, uh, Judges 14, 5, and, and, and uh, says, Then went Samson down and his father and mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Notice this, a lion roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily on him. Now you need to realize uh, that, and, and I could teach over an hour on this, but I'm not going to. But, but you need to realize, now, now Samson did not get his strength from his long hair. He got his strength from the Holy Spirit. But his long hair had to be there. It was a prerequisite for the Spirit of God to move on him, Okay. So you understand that it wasn't the long hair itself that caused the strength. It was the Holy Ghost coming on him, which would imply to me that that Samson wasn't just strong all the time. He couldn't bend steel. Now, there we got Superman. He couldn't bend steel in his bare hands just any time he wanted to. You know, Superman can do that. He can bend steel in his bare hand, but he, well, he can. But, but Samson, you know, we think Samson could just bend steel in his bare hand anytime he wanted, but he couldn't. It was only when the Holy Ghost came on him, you see. Right. Then he could bend steel in his bare hand. And so, well, it was his long hair. Well, no, listen, it was the Holy Ghost that gave him that superhuman strength, but his hair had to be long and there had to be some other things there as well. And, you know, we could talk about him, you know, not eating of the fruit of the vine and all that. But, but his hair was a prerequisite. It had to be long and, and Nazarite vow. We could talk about that. But, but nonetheless, the hair had to be there for the Holy Ghost to come on him. See? And when the Holy Ghost would come on him, then he'd have that superhuman strength. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent or he tore this lion. He tore him as he would have a young goat. Now think about that. And, uh, and he had nothing in his hand. He had nothing in his hand. So he just did it, uh, just barehanded. He just, he, he just tore that lion to shreds. And he was able to do it because the Holy Ghost came on him. 
And, and I'll tell you what, uh, uh, have you ever had some lions roar against you? The Bible says that the devil goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, stay yielded to the Holy Ghost. And when the, when the devil starts roaring against you, stay yielded to the Holy Ghost. Bless God. And, and then I tell you what, the Holy Ghost will stir on you. He'll come on you and you'll be able to tear that lion apart under the power of God just like Samson did. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, you know. And then there's Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit. Let's talk a little bit about Holy Spirit and fire. You know, we, we said a little bit ago that with the Holy Spirit, he, the word is pneuma or wind, you know, wind, right? Or, or breath or wind. But also he's associated with fire. Fire. I, I like the fire of the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, there's something about the fire of the Holy Ghost. You know, you know, sometimes he'll manifest himself as, as, as just a gentle, so to speak, wind. And then there's times he'll, he'll, he'll manifest himself as fire. Glory to God. Fire. Fire. I tell you one time, uh, this, this is a good testimony. There was a man that attended this church many, many, many years ago. And, uh, and, and, and we had a prayer line. He came in the prayer line and, and he, he needed prayer. And uh, I, I didn't ask him what he, sometimes I'd ask people what they, they'd need. And other times I'd just lay hands on people. And that was a day I wasn't asking people. I was just laying hands. And I got in front of him, laid hands upon him. And I tell you what, the power of God, it was a fire. It was, it was the fire of the Holy Spirit hit this guy. And he stood right here, just about right here. And he stood and, and this man, I tell you what, he sweat and he, he started sweating. I mean, if I could feel the fire of God, uh, it, 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 it came upon me. It came out of me, went into him. Now, I can't heal anybody. It's the Holy Spirit. But I tell you what, this Holy Spirit hit this guy and he stood right here. He was facing that way. But he stood right here for, I don't know, probably a good five, six, seven minutes. And he sweat. I mean, he sweat and he sweat and he sweat. He sw I mean, he sweat like Charlie Genowine. You know who Charlie Genowine is? Well, Charlie Genowine was a man that my mom rented a, a house to, you know. And uh, he had a wife. His Her name was Hazel. And Hazel, every once in a while, to get on that broom. You know what I mean by that, you know? You know what? how many knows what I mean by that? And, and, and Charlie would get so upset that he'd come over to my mom and he'd come in there. I was just a little kid. And he'd come in there and he, he'd say, Miss Sheel, Miss Sheel, Hazel's after me again. Hazel. And he'd always bring a couple of washcloths with him, you know. And he'd sit there right on my, in my mother's kitchen and he would sweat and sweat and sweat because he, because Hazel was after him. And he'd go through a couple, I don't know, two or three of them washcloths. And there was, when he'd leave, there was a puddle of sweat all over the floor there in the kitchen. My mom, she'd get the Lysol and clean it up. She didn't like that too much. And so she always had a saying when she'd see somebody sweating, she'd say, they're sweating like Charlie Genowine, you know. And so this guy, he's standing here and he's, I mean, I laid hands on him. The power of God came on. Fire of God came on him. The fire of God. And he's sweat and he sweat and he sweat. He was sweating like Charlie Genowine for, I don't know, five, six, seven minutes. He sweat and sweat and sweat. I never seen nothing like it in my life. And sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat. And so finally, he got done sweating. I've seen people shake. I've seen people fall. I've seen all kinds of things. But I've never seen anybody under the power of God sweat like that. So he sweat. He got done because I went on praying for people, you know, and I come back and he's still up here just sweating. Just just I mean, he's drenched by the time he leaves the prayer line. And I thought, you know, well, I wonder what that was all about. Well, come to find out. I don't know, about two weeks later, he comes back and he says, Pastor Terry, he says, he says, can I talk to you? And I said, surely. He said, uh, he said, you know, he said, uh, uh, that sweating up there, he said, he said, many, many, many years ago, he said, uh, uh, my former wife tried to poison me to death. And she started slipping poison into my food. And she was tried to poison me. And he said, uh, it was many, many years ago. He said, thank God it didn't work and it all got caught. I don't know if he turned her over to the police or not. That was before I, I didn't know who she was. 
But he said poison got in my system. And the doctors could never get it out. And whenever they'd run blood work on me or whatnot, they'd see that poison in my system. And he said it, it would it would make me feel bad from time to time. And, and it was in the blood work or whatever. He said they could never get that, that poison. They could never get it out. He said since I was in that prayer line, and he said I sweat like that. He said I had a physical. He said they did my blood work and that poison is gone. Glory to God. Can you say amen? The fire of God burned that poison out of it. Can you say amen? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Happened right here in this church many years ago. Isn't that exciting? And we've had so many uh, uh, miracles where God's done so many wonderful things right here. But the fire, talking about the fire of the Holy Ghost, the fire of the Holy Ghost came on him and burned that poison out of him. Glory to God. That, that excites me. Amen. That still excites me today, all these years later. Amen. But notice here in Luke 3.16, Luke 3.16, and uh, says, and, and John answered, saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh uh, is coming after me, latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? And with fire. So you need to realize that we're talking about the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost comes fire. Fire. And that's what happened, you know, on the day of Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and those tongues of fire sat upon them, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, interesting, after the day of Pentecost, you remember in the process of time, Peter and John, they went by that gate beautiful. Do you remember that? They went by that gate beautiful. And remember that lame man? I believe he was crippled from his mother's womb and never walked, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and, and, and remember, they, they were, he was expecting to receive money from the apostles, you know. From Peter and John, and Peter said, silver, silver and gold have I none, but such as, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, rise up and walk. How many remembers that? And, and a great miracle took place, you know, and the guy leaped and walked, and, and uh, he was over 40 years old, you know, the Bible says. And total, complete miracle. And, of course, the religious people, you know, they always want to rain on everybody's parade, you know. And they got all upset over that. They began to, uh, uh, they began to persecute Peter and John. See, that Peter and John, the Bible says that, that even the religious people observe their boldness. But that great miracle takes place, you know. And uh, the religious people began to beat, beat Peter and James down. Have you ever had the world beat on you? Start beating you down, beating you down. And, uh, and, and they, th- they threatened them. And, and they told them not to preach anymore in the name of the Lord Jesus and all of that, you know. And you could read this in Acts, the fourth chapter. And... Uh, and so you can only imagine, have you ever had boldness, great boldness at one time and then the affairs of life hit you? And just like drain it out of you? See, I've learned this about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I tell you what, when he gets to stern, sometimes he'll come on me. And that, now, now I, I've learned this about him over the years. Sometimes he'll come on me and I'll start crying. But sometimes he'll come on me and I'll get bold. I mean, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Sometimes he'll come on me and I'll just get as bold. Have you ever seen, some of you in here, you've seen when the power of God's come on me right in the middle of a message and I'll just get bold. I just get bold and just absolute bold and say some bold things, you know. Thank God for that boldness. Sometimes, sometimes what, what people don't realize, people in the congregation don't realize is, is when the Holy Ghost will come on a preacher and he'll get bold, it's really a manifestation of that fire. And, 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 and what you need to do is when, assuming that, that we're yielding to the Holy Ghost here now, that fire will come through a minister. The Bible says he makes his ministers flames of fire. And, and, and what God wants to do is let that fire come across the pulpit and burn any impurities that's in your life, burn them out. Can you say amen? See, but what happens a lot of time is folks in the church, they won't put up with that. They'll leave and go find them a preacher that won't ever, won't ever do that. Just tell them things they want to hear all the time. Don't ever despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't ever despise when God wants, wants to bring fire on a minister and let that fire come out into the congregation and, and burn stuff out of you that shouldn't be there. 
I tell you what, it's a whole lot better deal having the fire of God deal with you down here than, than having to deal with you at the judgment seat of Christ. Let him burn the impurities out of you down here rather than the fire of God having to do it at the judgment seat of Christ. If, if you let that fire burn those impurities out of you down here, you still have time to repent and receive reward. But I tell you what, if you don't uh, tolerate the burning of the fire of the Holy Ghost down here, up there at the judgment seat of Christ, you'll suffer loss. Now, you, you yourself will be saved, but you'll suffer loss. So tolerate the fire of God down here so that it'll be a total blessing to you up there. Can you say amen? But nonetheless, Peter and John had that fire. And like I said, that boldness will come on me sometimes. I'm just bold, you know. I'm not afraid of man or beast, you know. When that, when that fire of the Holy Ghost is on me, when that fire of the Holy Ghost lifts off me, then sometimes, you know, I go want, want to hide behind my wife, you know. You know what I'm talking about? But thank God for the fire of the Holy Ghost, you know. But Peter and John had that boldness on them. But then they, that, that miracle happened and, and, uh, they got persecuted and so on and so forth. And, uh, and they must have been feeling low. And so I'm going to close this message today to, by telling you what you need to do when that boldness is waning and you, you feel like the affairs of life have just sucked the, sucked the boldness out of you. Uh, you need to realize the Holy Ghost is always with you. Can you say amen to that? But sometimes that fire can be in greater manifestation or less manifestation, you know. And the affairs of life can throw buckets of cold water on you and, and cause that fire to wane just a little bit. But if it does, let me tell you what to do. Here's what Peter and John did. Acts 4 verse 23. And being let go, so they were let go from, you know, they'd been threatened and so forth. Notice what they did. They went to their own company. You know, you need to have your own company. You need to have uh, your own local church, you know, where there's people of like precious faith. You know, uh, let, let me put it to you this way. Like precious faith. If you believe in healing, you don't want to go to a church that doesn't believe in healing. I know uh, 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 stories have been told in days gone by where people ha have attended a church, you know, I'm thinking of one story right now, a lady, uh, the church didn't believe in healing and she was sick and she needed healing in her body. And so she went to one of those healing evangelists back in days of yesteryear. And she went to one of those tent meetings, you know, and she got healed. Glory to God. And then uh, 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 she eventually went back to her church where they didn't believe in healing. And guess what? She lost her healing. See, you need to go to a church where people are of like precious faith. See, if you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't want to go to a church that doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You understand that? It'll affect you. It'll cost you. It'll, it'll hinder you, you see. And so you can still love people that, that like the Baptist. I talked about them last week. I love the Baptist. I do. Thank God for them. I'm still kind of a Baptist at heart. But I wouldn't attend a Baptist church, you know, because they don't uh, believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You understand that? You realize that? It's like the Catholics, you know. They do have the Jesus of the Bible, but I would, I couldn't attend a Catholic church. It would, I, there's no way I could, could attend a Catholic church. You know, I'm talking regular on an ongoing basis. It would, it would hinder me. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you came out of the Catholic church. Could you go back there? I don't think you could. I don't think you could. I couldn't go back to the Baptist church, see. But, uh, so you need to find a church where, 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 where they are of like precious faith. So notice, what do you do as I close this message? What do you do? When you feel like the fire has been zapped. Well, notice what they did. They went to their own company. You go to the local church. You go to the local church. You stay in the local church. You stay in there on a regular basis. They reported all things that the chief priests and elders said, said to them. And notice here's the next thing they did. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. See, there's unity here and they're lifting up their voice. There's a connotation of praise right here. There's a connotation of praise. So when you feel like the fire's been drained out of you, now again, the Holy Ghost has never left you, but sometimes that fire can wane. Remember, uh, uh, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's within you. Have you ever seen a campfire, you know, that's kind of waned down? And what do you do? You go take a stick and you stir it up and you can get that thing blazing again, you know. And that's what these apostles are doing here. They'd had that boldness. It got, it, it got kind of sucked out of them from my study of it. And they, they went to their local church, if you will. They went to their own company and then they lift up their voices. This is Acts 4.24. They lift up their voice with one accord. They get in unity. There's a connotation of praise. And then you could read on there and they began quoting scripture. They began quoting from the book of Psalms. 
So I tell you what, when you feel like the fire's been drained out of you, go to stay in the local church and, and have, a, have an attitude of praise about you. Begin to quote the Word of God. Psalms is a good place to go, but anywhere in the Bible's good. Begin to quote the Bible. And then verse 31 said, when they had prayed. Praying's always a good thing to do. To get that fire back. When they had prayed, notice what happened. Now they're, they're in, they're in the local church. They're with people of like precious faith. They, they are in one accord. They're praising. They're declaring the word of God. They're praying. And notice what happens. The place was shaken where they were assembled. Glory to God. The Holy Ghost shook that place. You know the Holy Ghost can shake a place. He can shake people. I don't think this was a natural earthquake. This was a, an earthquake where that place was shaken. Glory to God with the power of God. Glory to God. Talk about the fire of God. I just need to tell you this. There's been stories reported over the years where, where in certain churches, the, the Spirit of God would get to moving so strong and so powerful. I'm thinking of one, one thing right now, one a testimony right now that I heard many years ago where, where uh, they were right in the middle of a, of a service, you know, and the fire engines all showed up right outside the church. And, and the firemen came in and, and the, the pastor and the congregation was shocked. What, you know, why would the fire department show up? And they said that the neighbors called. They saw fire coming up out of the roof. Well, it wasn't a natural fire. It was the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory to God. I believe it. I believe it. How about you? Glory to God. Now, that's one thing we haven't had uh, reported here by the neighbors, but the fire of God's been here nonetheless. We've had too many healings, too many miracles over 27 years. The fire of God has been in manifestation. But be that as it may, they went to their own companions and they lifted up their voice. They were quoting the scripture, they're praying, and that place was shaken. And they noticed this and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, we know they got filled on the day of Pentecost. I like to say it this way. They got refired. That'd be a better way to say it. Because, see, you don't get, need to get baptized with the Holy Ghost again, but that, 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 that fire can wane. They got refired with the Holy Ghost. How many of you would like some refiring with the Holy Ghost? They got refired with the Holy Ghost. And then notice what happens. They spake the word of God with what? With boldness. See, that boldness came back. Glory to God. So what do you do if you feel like the fire of God's been zapped? Stay among your own company. Those of like precious faith uh, have an attitude of praise about you. Stay in one accord. Stay in you. Oh, I tell you what. If you want the Holy Ghost moving in your life, you got to stay in love. You got to stay in love. You got to stay in unity. If you want the Holy Ghost moving in a church, there's got to be unity in that church. I've watched so many churches be destroyed over the many years. Absolutely. Holy Ghost wouldn't move in them because there was strife. I tell you what, the quickest way to quench the Holy Spirit is get strife moving in a congregation. I tell you what, you got to stay in one accord and then quote the word, keep the word first place, stay in an attitude of prayer. And I tell you what, he'll refire you and that boldness will come again. Can you say amen? And the power of God will come on you. And when the devil roars, you'll be able to, like Samson, just rip him up in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me if you would. And we'll pick up right here next week. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. You need to realize while I'm teaching, the Bible says that the anointing, the power of God rides on the word of God. So right when I, you know what? We've had people, many people healed over the years. I never laid hands on them. I never prayed for them, but they just sat under the word of God. And the, the power of God rides on that word and the word would go out and just heal people right while they're sitting listening. Glory to God. So I tell you what, always be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Y'all enjoying this? Getting anything out of this? Well, Hey, if you're watching here on social media, before we sign off, I want to give you an opportunity to get saved. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you need to do so. The Bible says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. So what you need to do is repent of your sins and cry out to the Lord Jesus and ask Him to come into your heart. Receive Him as Lord and Savior. And I tell you what, if you'll cry out to Him, He'll come into your life. You'll get born again. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. And, and then let the Holy Ghost move in your life, okay? So God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.